Hey everybody, it's Tycho Alhambra. Thank you for listening to the Weird Tales podcast. I really appreciate you uh, popping in again this week. I just came to the realization the other day that right now I'm releasing four episodes a month, which is you know just kind of what I do. It's Mondays. I release episodes on Monday nights, and that usually comes out to about four episodes a month. And I am averaging more per month now than I was like during the entire month of October, which I released an episode every day in October when me and my wife did Dracula. That was a horribly convoluted way of saying that four episodes a month now gets me more hits than when I did October and did an episode every day. Uh, so, and Caliban agrees with me. So I'm really, I'm really grateful for everybody who listens. Thank you so much. Please continue to pass the word around if you are writing reviews, if you want to. God, come on. <laughs> I know how to talk. If you want to put a rating or a review up on iTunes, I would be more than happy to read it. I, I read every review. I take every single one of them to heart, even the ones that I don't necessarily agree with. And that's more or less why there's an intro this week. I'm going to leave it at that. <sighs> Cats. Cats everywhere. All right. Let's uh, let's get into the Screwfly Solution Part 2. If you are listening to this episode first, you should go back and listen to the Screwfly Solution Part 1, which was last week. Oh my god! <laughs> Come here, buddy. The Screwfly Solution Part 2 by Alice Sheldon. After an unknown time, he got up and made his way to the United counter to turn in his ticket. The line was long. As he waited, his mind cleared a little. What could he do here in Miami? Wouldn't it be better to get back to Ann Arbor and turn himself into Barney? Barney could help him if anyone could. Yes, that was best, but first he had to warn Ann. The connection took even longer this time. When Anne finally answered, he found himself blurting, unintelligibly. It took a while to make her understand he wasn't talking about a plane delay. I tell you, I've caught it. Listen, Anne, for God's sake, if I should come to the house, don't let me come near you. I mean it. I'm going to the lab, but I might lose control and try to get you. Is, is Barney there? Yes, but darling, listen, maybe he can fix me. Maybe this'll wear off, but I'm not safe, Anne. And I'd... I'd kill you. Can you understand? Get a, get a, get a weapon. I'll try not to come to the house, but if I do, don't let me get near you. Or, or Amy. It's a sickness. It's real. Treat me, treat me like a fucking wild animal, Anne. Say you understand. Say you'll do it. They were both crying when he hung up. He went shaking back to sit and wait. After a time, his head seemed to clear a little more. Doctor, try to think. The first thing he thought of was to take the loathsome knife and throw it down a trash slot. As he did so, he realized there was one more piece of Barney's material in his pocket. He uncrumpled it. It seemed to be a clipping from nature. At the top was Barney's scrawl. Only guy making sense. UK infected now. Oslo, Copenhagen out of communication. Damn fools still won't listen. Stay put. Communication from Professor Ian McIntyre, Glasgow University. A potential difficulty for our species has always been implicit in the close linkage between the behavioral expression of aggression slash predation and sexual reproduction in the male. This close linkage involves A, 
Many of the same neuromuscular pathways, which are utilized both in predatory and sexual pursuit, grasping, mounting, etc., and b. Similar states of adrenergic arousal, which are activated in both. The same linkage is seen in the males of many other species. In some, the expression of aggression and copulation alternate or even coexist, an all-too-familiar example being the common house cat. Males of many species bite, claw, bruise, tread, or otherwise assault receptive females during the act of intercourse. Indeed, in some species, the male attack is necessary for female ovulation to occur. In many, if not all species, it is the aggressive behavior which appears first, and then changes to copulatory behavior when the appropriate signal is presented, for example, the three-tined sickleback and the European robin. Lacking the inhibiting signal, the male's fighting response continues and the female is attacked or driven off. It seems therefore appropriate to speculate that the present crisis might be caused by some substance, perhaps at the viral or enzymatic level, which affects a failure of the switching or triggering function in the higher primates. Note, zoo gorillas and chimpanzees have recently been observed to attack or destroy their mates, rhesus not. Such a dysfunction could be expressed by the failing of mating behavior to modify or supervene over the aggressive predatory response, i.e., sexual stimulation would produce attack only, the stimulation discharging itself through the destruction of the stimulating object. In this connection, it might be noted that exactly this condition is a commonplace of male functional pathology in those cases where murder occurs as a response to and apparent completion of sexual desire. It should be emphasized that the aggression-copulation linkage discussed here is specific to the male, the female response, for example, lordotic reflex, being of a different nature. Alan sat holding the crumpled sheet a long time. The dry, stilted Scottish phrases seemed to help clear his head, despite the sense of brooding tension all around him. Well, if pollution or whatever had produced some substance, it could presumably be countered filtered, neutralized. Very, very carefully, he let himself consider his life with Anne, his sexuality. Yes, much of their love play could be viewed as genitalized, sexually gentled savagery, play predation. He turned his mind quickly away. Some writer's phrases occurred to him. The panic element is all sex. Who? Fritz Lieber? The violation of social distance, maybe, another threatening element. Whatever, it's our weak link, he thought, our vulnerability. The dreadful feeling of rightness he had experienced when he found himself, knife in hand, fantasizing violence, came back to him, as though it was the right, the only way. Was that what Barney's budworms felt when they mated with their females' wrong end, too? At length, he became aware of body need and sought a toilet. The place was empty, except for what he took to be a heap of clothes blocking the door of the far stall. Then he saw the red-brown pool in which it lay, and the bluish mounds of bare, thin buttocks. He backed out, not breathing, and fled into the nearest crowd, knowing he was not the first to have done so. Of course. Any sexual drive. Boys. Men, too. At the next washroom, he watched to see men enter and leave normally before he ventured in. Afterward, he returned to sit, waiting, repeating over and over to himself, Go to the lab. Don't go home. Go straight to the lab. Three more hours. He sat numbly at 26 degrees north, 81 degrees west, breathing. Breathing. Dear Diary, Big scene tonight. Daddy came home. 
Only, he acted so funny. He had the taxi wait and just held on to the doorway. He wouldn't touch me or let us come near him. I mean, funny weird, not funny ha-ha. He said, I have something to tell you. This is getting worse, not better. I'm going to sleep in the lab, but I want you to get out, Anne. Anne, I can't trust myself anymore. First thing in the morning, you both get on the plane for Martha's and stay there. So I thought he had to be joking. I mean, with the dance next week, and Aunt Martha lives in Whitehorse where there's nothing, nothing, nothing. So I was yelling, and Mother was yelling, and Daddy was groaning, Go now! And then he started crying. Crying! So I realized, wow, this is serious. And I started to go over to him, but Mother yanked me back, and then I saw that she had this big knife. And she shoved me in back of her and started crying too. Oh, Alan! Oh, Alan! Like she was insane. So I said, Daddy, I'll never leave you. It felt like the perfect thing to say. And it was thrilling. He looked at me real sad and deep like I was a grown-up while Mother was treating me like I was a mere infant as usual. But Mother ruined it, raving, Alan, the child is mad, darling, go! So he ran out the door, yelling, Be gone, take the car, get out before I come back. Oh, I forgot to say I was wearing what but my gooby green with my curl tights still on. Wouldn't you know of all the shitty luck? How could I have known such a beautiful scene was ahead we never know life's cruel whimsy? And Mother is dragging out suitcases, yelling, Pack your things, hurry! So she's going, I guess. But I'm not, repeat, not going to spend the fall sitting in Aunt Martha's grain silo and lose the dance and all my summer credits. And Daddy was trying to communicate with us, right? I think their relationship is obsolete, so when she goes upstairs, I'm splitting. I'm going to go over to the lab and see Daddy. Oh, P.S. Diane tore my yellow jeans. She promised me I could use her pink ones. Haha, <laughs> that'll be the day. I ripped that page out of Amy's diary when I heard the squad car coming. I never opened her diary before, but when I found out she'd gone, I looked. Oh, my darling little girl. She went to him. My little girl, my poor little fool child. Maybe if I'd taken time to explain, maybe... Excuse me, Barney. This stuff is wearing off, the shots they gave me. I didn't feel anything. I mean, I knew somebody's daughter went to see her father and he killed her and cut his throat, but it didn't mean anything. Alan's note, they gave me that, but then they took it away. Why did they have to do that? His last handwriting, the last words he wrote before his hand picked up the... Before he... I remember it. Sudden and light as that, the bonds gave, and we learned of finalities besides the grave. The bonds of our humanity have given. We are finished. I love... I'm all right, Barney, really. Who wrote that? Robert Frost? The bonds gave... Oh, he said, tell Barney, the terrible rightness... What does that mean? You can't answer that, Barney, dear. I'm just writing this to stay sane. I'll put it in your hidey hole. Thank you. Thank you, Barney, dear. Even as blurry as I was, I knew it was you. All the time you were cutting off my hair and rubbing dirt on my face, I knew it was right because it was you. Barney, I never thought of you as those horrible words you said. You were always dear Barney. By the time the stuff wore off, I had done everything you said. The gas, the groceries. Now I'm here in your cabin. With those clothes you made me put on, I guess I do look like a boy. The gas man called me Mr. I still can't really realize. I have to stop myself from rushing back. But you saved my life, I know that. The first trip in, I got a paper. I saw where they bombed the Apostle Island's refuge. And it had about those three women stealing the Air Force plane and bombing Dallas, too. Of course, they shot them down over the gulf. 
Isn't it strange how we do nothing? Just get killed by ones and twos. Or more, now they've started on the refuges. Like hypnotized rabbits. We're a toothless race. Do you know I never said we meaning women before? We was always me and Alan, and Amy, of course. Being killed selectively encourages group identification. See how sane-headed I am? But I, I still can't really realize. My first trip in was for salt and kerosene. I went to that little red deer store and got my stuff from the old man in the back, as you told me. You see, I remembered. He called me boy, but I think maybe he suspects. He knows I'm staying in your cabin. Anyway, some men and boys came in the front. They were all so... normal, laughing and kidding. I just couldn't believe, Barney. In fact, I started to go out past them when I heard one of them say, Hein saw an angel. An angel? So I stopped and listened. They said it was big and sparkly, coming to see if man is carrying out God's will, one of them said. And he said, Moose Knee is now a liberated zone and all up by Hudson Bay. I turned and got out the back, fast. The old man had heard them too. He said to me quietly, I'll miss the kids. Hudson Bay, Barney. That means it's coming from the north too, doesn't it? That must be about 60 degrees. But I have to go back once again to get some fish hooks. I can't live on bread. Last week I found a deer some poacher had killed, just the head and legs. I made a stew. It was a doe. Her eyes. I wonder if mine look like that now. I went to get the fish hooks today. It was bad. I can't ever go back. There were some men in front again, but they were different. Mean and tense. No boys. And there was a new sign out in front. I couldn't see it. Maybe it says Liberated Zone too. The old man gave me the hooks quick and whispered to me, Boy, them woods will be full of hunters next week. I almost ran out. About a mile down the road, a blue pickup started to chase me. I guess he wasn't from around there. I ran the VW into a logging draw and he roared on by. After a long while, I drove out and came on back, but I left the car about a mile from here and hiked in. Surprising how hard it is to pile enough brush to hide a yellow VW. Barney, I can't stay here. I'm eating perch raw so nobody will see my smoke, but those hunters will be coming through. I'm going to move my sleeping bag out to the swamp by that big rock. I don't think many people go there. Since the last lines, I moved out. It feels safer. Oh, Barney, how did this happen? Fast, that's how. Six months ago, I was Dr. Ann Alstein. Now I'm a widow and bereaved mother, dirty and hungry, squatting in a swamp in mortal fear. Funny if I'm the last woman left alive on Earth. I guess the last one around here, anyway. Maybe some hold out in the Himalayas or sneaking through the wreck of New York City. How can we last? We can't. And I can't survive the winter here, Barney. It gets to 40 degrees below. I'd have to have a fire. They'd see the smoke. Even if I worked my way south, the woods end in a couple hundred miles. I'd be potted like a duck. No. No use. Maybe somebody is trying something somewhere, but... 
It won't reach here in time, and... What do I have to live for? No. I'll just make a good end. Say, up on that rock where I can see the stars. After I go back and leave this for you. I'll wait to see the beautiful color in the trees one last time. I know what I'll scratch for an epitaph. Here lies the second meanest primate on earth. Goodbye, dearest, dearest Barney. I guess nobody will ever read this, unless I get the nerve and energy to take it to Barney's. Probably I won't. Leave it in a baggie. I have one here. Maybe Barney will come and look. I'm up on the big rock now. The moon is going to rise soon. I'll do it then. Mosquitoes, be patient. You'll have all you want. The thing I have to write down is that I saw an angel too. This morning. It was big and sparkly like the man said. Like a Christmas tree without the tree. But I knew it was real because the frogs stopped croaking and two blue jays gave alarm calls. That's important. It was really there. I watched it sitting under my rock. It didn't move much. It sort of bent over and picked up something. Leaves or twigs, I couldn't see. Then it did something with them around its middle, like putting them into an invisible sample pocket. Let me repeat. It was there, Barney. If you're reading this, there are things here. And I think they've done whatever it is to us. Made us kill ourselves off. Why? Well... It's a nice place, if it wasn't for people. How do you get rid of people? Bombs, death rays, all very primitive, leave a big mess. Destroy everything. Craters, radioactivity ruin the place. This way, there's no muss, no fuss. Just like what we did to the screwfly. Pinpoint the weak link, wait a bit while we do it for them. Only a few bones around, makes good fertilizer. Barney, dear, goodbye. I saw it. It was there. But it wasn't an angel. I think I saw a real estate agent. Thank you again for listening to the Weird Tales podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this reading of The Screwfly Solution by Alice Sheldon. I first heard about the story on the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft Literary Podcast back uh, in May, I think, and I was just immediately taken with it, and I wanted to do it, but I wanted to wait a little bit so it wouldn't be, like, just, like, immediately following on. Uh, so I decided, you know, to wait, and wrapping up the events of Porth Farm last week, uh, I was looking around for something something else to do, and... Uh, remembered this one and I remembered that uh, it was a really good one and really creepy and uh, so here it is uh, I hope you enjoyed it if you enjoy the show uh, if you enjoy my readings of the stories please leave a rating and review on iTunes uh, I would really appreciate it it helps me uh, grow and reach more people which is kind of the you know the ultimate goal of anything that anybody does so uh, if you could help me with that that'd be really great I'd really appreciate it and I hope that you have uh, a great week and I will see you next week I'm going to have to keep my glasses on because I read off of my computer. Normally when I read off of my iPod, I take my glasses off because I'm old. Uh, but I just took my glasses off and realized I could not see my computer. So...
Here we go. Why? Well, it's a nice place if it wasn't for people. <laughs> Narrator's note, I 100% agree with that statement. <laughs>